Welcome to a message from Oasis Church. For more information about Oasis Church and how you can get connected, please visit MyOasisChurch.com. Here's Pastor Mark Pearl. Enjoy the message. Let's find the book of Genesis. I'll give you a clue. It's in the very front of your Bible. Genesis means beginning. Go there to the third chapter. Genesis chapter 3, and what are you going to preach on this morning, Pastor? Well, I'm not going to preach on mother. You know, I would if the Lord said, but you know, I, I, years ago, I, I had a radio program on. My, it was, I had a radio program on the radio, and uh, there was a guy on before me or a guy after me, and it was Mother's Day, and I heard him preaching on mother, and he said, M is for the many things she does. O is for the often time she smiles. T is for the tender way she treats me. I thought, I'm never doing that. Not unless the Lord says to do it. I'm not going to do that. And uh, Brother Hagin said one time, you know, he, I think it was Mother's Day. He said, man, he said, I had a great message planned. He said, I had all these quotes from Benjamin Franklin and different people. And he said, I got up to preach that. He said, it's just dead. And the Lord, he said, the Lord been dealing with me. I want you to have a healing service this morning. He said, well, it's Mother's Day. I want you to have a healing service this morning. He said, I pressed on and finally it was wasn't going where he said, I just changed. We had a healing service and, and had the glory fall. Amen. So sometimes mom just needs something different, amen? amen? But this morning, we're going to go to Genesis chapter 3, and I want to talk to you about, uh, I'm going to call, and I've preached on this before, and so if you're keen and you're paying attention, you know, some sometime back, I don't know when it was, I preached on this, but I'm going to preach on it again. I'm going to talk about the doubt sower. The doubt sower, and how the devil tries to sow doubt in our lives. And so uh, I want to talk about that this morning. So let's go in our Bibles, Genesis 3. If you have a Bible with you, if not, just listen to this. Uh, the Bible says in Genesis 3, says, Now the serpent was more subtle or crafty than any beast of the field which the Lord God had made. And, uh, you know, there's a lot of things we don't know about how creation was in the beginning. You know that, right? And so, you know, sometimes we read these things. Well, how could, how could some of these things be? Well, you don't know everything. You don't know everything about animals and, you know, the, you know what they could do in those days. We just don't know. There's a lot of things we don't know. How many know that? We're not going to know it in this life necessarily. Wow. We just, you know, if you knew everything, it wouldn't take any faith, you know. But he says, uh, and, and he said unto the woman, the serpent said unto the woman, Yea, hath God said... You shall not eat of every tree of the garden. Yea, hath God said. How many know he's trying to put doubt in her? Now, there's different, different translations say this differently. One translation says, did God actually say? One translation says, did God really say? Another one says, can it really be? In other words... When we see the devil show up in the very beginning, he shows up with doubt. Because he understands doubt will lead to a lot of different things. And verse 2, the woman said unto the serpent, We may eat of the fruit of the trees of the garden, but of the fruit of the tree which is in the midst of the garden, God has said, You shall not eat it, neither shall you touch it, lest you die. Now, there is no record that God said you couldn't touch it. He said you couldn't eat of it. And the serpent said unto the woman, you shall not surely die. How many know that's doubt? That's trying to cause her to doubt what God said. 
For God doth know that in the day you eat thereof, then your eyes shall be opened, and you shall be as God's knowing good and evil. Well, you know, there are some things that I wished I didn't know. We, mankind didn't need to know about evil. He just needed to know about good. If he'd stayed hooked up with God, it'd all been good. I've learned some things before. I just, I didn't know them. People have told me things about people. I wish you hadn't told me that. Now it's in my head. I don't want to know that. I don't want to know everything. Amen. <laughs> you know, people say, you know, somebody's talking bad about you. You want to know what they said? No, I don't. Amen. I don't want to know. Right? Why? Because what, what, what's it matter? Amen. Now, verse 6, and, the, and the, when the woman saw that the tree was good for food and that it was pleasant to the eyes, a tree desired to make one wise, she took of the fruit thereof and did eat and gave unto her husband also with her, and he did eat. Now, this whole mess that we're in right now is all because doubt. Because the devil sowed doubt. And doubt leads to disobedience. And it leads to all kinds of things. When we doubt what God said, when we doubt God's Word, actually, you know, this is the, this is the original sin. This is the original temptation. You go over, and, and we won't look at the Scripture, but you can look at it sometime if you desire to. You go over to Matthew, and where the devil took Jesus on what we call the Mount of Temptation. Remember that? He said, if you be the Son of God. Yeah. If you be the Son of God. Now, I've read commentary on that where people have said, well, that if wasn't, he wasn't trying, trying to get Jesus to doubt that he was the Son of God. But I disagree. Here's something you need to know about Jesus. And, I, and this, this, gets, this gets a little muddy. It gets a little lost. People sometimes take offense at this. But you have to, you have to just be a student of the Bible to know this. That, when, that Jesus, when he was here in the earth, he took on a flesh body and he operated as a man. He did not operate as God. Now, he was just as much God in Bethlehem as he was when he was in heaven. So let's make that, let's make that clear, all right? But that's not the way he chose to operate. The Bible says that he was anointed of the Spirit. Well, how many know God doesn't have to be anointed of the Spirit because the Spirit is God, <laughs> right? You follow what I'm saying? And... Uh, you know, uh, so he, 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 a lot of times people think that, that Jesus healed people and he did the miracles he did because he was God. No, he did those because he was anointed by the Spirit of God. He said, the Spirit of the Lord is upon me to anoint me to do certain things. So, and actually when you read Philippians and you read the Amplified Bible, Philippians chapter 2, it says he stripped himself of his power and his glory. He's talking about his, 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 his uh, God ability. Now, he didn't strip himself of being God. God can't strip himself of being God. But he chose, as God, to come down here and put on a uh, flesh body. I, I remember, and this is, the, you know, I remember years, many years ago, some um, Jehovah Witnesses came to my door, you know. And uh, the best I can tell that they don't really believe that Jesus was divine son of God. You know, the best I could tell about what they believe, you know. And so they came to my door and I let them in. I talked to them. You know, I wasn't mean to them. You know, I'd be mean to them. Share the gospel with them. That's what they're there to do, to share their gospel with you. So I'm going to share it right back. And so you know, we got a little bit of discussion, you know. And I said, now, I said, because I always like to go to the nuts and bolts. I said, now, do you believe Jesus is the son of God? You know, that he's divine. 
you know, of course, they, they him hauled about that question. And I said, now, wait a minute. I said, there's a scripture in Timothy that says that God was manifested in the flesh. Did you know that's in your Bible? Yeah, 1 Timothy 3, 16, God was manifested in the flesh. But I don't believe Jesus was God. And I said, but the Bible says, but they still have a King James Bible. And uh, I said, the Bible says God was manifested in the flesh. I said, let me ask you a question. Who was that? And they said, we'll get back to you. And so sure enough, I don't know, a week or so later, somebody that was higher up in the organization came to see me. And he came and he said, yeah, I heard some of our people come talk to you or something, said something like that. And I said, yeah. And, he said, and I said, I asked him a question I'm going to ask you. I said, you know, the Bible says God was manifested in the flesh. Who was that? You know what he told me? I'll get back to you. He hadn't got back yet. But I happen to know who that was. That was Jesus Christ. And if you don't, and if you can't say Jesus was manifested in the flesh, the Bible says it's an antichrist spirit. See? And so I... Um, you know, I, I understand that, that, you know, Jesus is God, but he wasn't operating as God when he was on the earth. He was operating as a man under the Abrahamic covenant, anointed by the Spirit. Now, believe me, Jesus was so, you know, he was, the Bible says that, that uh, you know, it was a mystery. He was, he was all God, but he was all man. But so what I'm saying, and I said that for this reason, see, if, if Jesus operated as God, when he was on the earth, how could he be tempted? God can't be tempted with evil. Neither tempts he any man. So there couldn't have been any temptation. But because he took on a flesh and bone body and blood body like we have, there was, this, there was temptation. And he was tempted. And the devil said, if you be the son of God, if you be. What's he trying to do? To get Jesus to doubt who he is. See, he's after this thing to get you to doubt. He wants you to doubt. Because doubt opens the door to a lot of bad things in our life. Now, Jesus said this. As a matter of fact, I think we ought to look at it. Let's go to John chapter 8. You don't mind if we look at some scripture this morning, do you? Let's go to John chapter 8. I think it would probably be good if we just looked at this. And so we understand uh, that this is in the scriptures and what the Bible says about it. John chapter 8. Go there. John the 8th chapter. And I want to show you just one verse. John 8. Are you there? Verse 44, Jesus said this. He said, You are of your father, the devil, and the lust of your father you will do. He was a murderer from the beginning and abode not in the truth. Or he, he didn't stay in the truth, and right now he doesn't stand in the truth. Because there is no truth in him. When he speaketh, everybody say, when he speaketh. When he speaketh a lie, he speaketh of his own. He is a liar and the father of it. Now, what I wanted you to see is Jesus said the devil speaks. But when he speaks, it's a lie. Amen. Now, how does the devil speak? Have you ever thought about that? I've never had the devil just show up in person and say, I'm the devil, go do this. Have you? You know. No, I've had God speak to my heart. And I've had God one time, which I told you about that one time, when I was a sinner, I heard God speak to me. I don't know whether it was audible. I'm really not sure. I, I don't think it was. But boy, it was strong enough for me to hear it. I heard what he said. And what he said to me came to pass within about two weeks. And that was as a sinner, God spoke something to me. And so, you know, so, but how does the devil speak? Well, the devil doesn't just come down, you know, and just appear to you and, and say, hey, I'm the devil. No, he speaks through thoughts. He speaks through suggestions. He speaks through ideas. He speaks through circumstances. 
In other words, he, he will put uh, thoughts of doubt in your heart. Now, you, you, know, you know this. Did, did you know, and I think you do, that one-third of the angels fell? They fell with Satan, one-third of the angels. Well, how, how did he get one-third of the angels to fall? He had to put doubt in their minds. He had, to, he had to get them to doubt God's goodness, right? Why would anybody leave God? He obviously had to get them to doubt God's ability, because why would you dare rebel against God if you believed He was more powerful than you? See, that's pretty much the height of deception when the thing created thinks that it can overpower what created it. Amen. You know, but, but that's one of his, the Bible talks about it in Corinthians, it says 2 Corinthians 2.11, it talks about Satan's devices. One of his devices is to get us to doubt. Amen. I'm not going long this morning, but help me out as long as I go. I'm only going to just go just a short time this morning. But this is going to be powerful for you. If you understand that every voice you hear is not necessarily just, you know, true. Amen. See, people say, well, I'm born again, Pastor. I mean, the devil couldn't speak to me. Well, then why does the Bible say test the spirits and see if they're of God? Not everything we hear is necessarily God. I've had thoughts come through my mind that I know weren't God. You know about the time when I've told you the story many times about the guys that drove by and hollered at me and said some not so nice things to me when I was out for a run one day. And this thought came into my mind. You've obviously never tangled with a pastor before. And I hollered back, come back here and say it to me like a man, face to face. Park your car and get out, you big baby. How many believe that was the Holy Ghost leading me to say that? <laughs> it was some kind of spirit, but it wasn't the Holy Spirit. <laughs> and then the thought hit me, what if they do? <laughs> I'm going to have to back this up. This is not going to be good. Local pastor arrested for fight. Amen. Oh, well, you know, see, what I'm saying to you is you have to understand, see, the devil, one of his devices is to get us to doubt. And so he will put thoughts in our minds. He will put suggestions in our minds or ideas, whatever you want to call it, to try to talk you out of what God's word says. That's been his M.O. from the beginning. He sunk the whole human race that way. Amen. And he's not changed his tactic. It's still working. I said it's still working. He's still sinking people. And that may be our next message on this. If we preach on this some more, we're going to maybe talk about how doubt will sink your life. But yeah, he, he, he's, he sows it. He puts it in our mind. He plants those seeds in there to try to get us... Uh, well, let me say this to you before I say any more. The, the word devil, you know, just the, the word devil, it's the, it's the Greek word diabolos. And it has different meanings. You've probably heard 
of the meaning of adversary, you know, and different things. But there's there's a meaning to this word that you don't hear too often. You know, we, uh, you know, uh, you know, uh, accuser, uh, that word devil means adversary, accuser. It has different meanings. But one of the meanings that you don't hear very often, and, it, and when you search this word a little deeper, one of the meanings of the word devil is this. One who cast himself or something else between two in order to separate them. Let me say it again. One who cast himself or something else between two in order to to separate them. So one of the meanings of the name devil is to, it, one of the things that that name means is he's a separator to try to separate you from God. Which is exactly what he did in the Garden of Eden is to try to separate Adam and Eve from God. Which was exactly what he was trying to do with Jesus in the temptation mount. Separate him from his father. If you be the Son of God, command these stones to be made bread. Well, how many know Jesus said, I only do what my Father tells me to do? Right? All right. Could have Jesus made those stones to be bread? Well, let me say this to you. As God, absolutely. But as a man, not without the help of his Father. He said, I only do what my Father says to do. I only say what my father says to say. I'm not just out here doing this on my own. Amen. And so, so the devil said, okay, that didn't work. Jesus said, it is written, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. Notice the devil, the devil always got the word fired back at him from Jesus. And it worked. And he said to the devil, or then, then Jesus said to, to or excuse me, then the devil said to Jesus, he said, you know, if you're the son of God, you know, cast yourself down from the, the, the pinnacle of the temple. It's, it's written. He'll give his angels charge concerning thee. What did Jesus say? It is written, you shall not tempt the Lord your God. In other words, yeah, God's provided protection for me, but if I just jump off something, he's not going to protect me. That's tempting the Lord. That's like you and I. Like God, God's give his angels charge over me. I'm going to step out in front of this semi. Well, we have some place to go tomorrow. It's your funeral. I thought God would protect me. That, that's tempting the Lord. Amen. And then he said to Jesus, he said, he showed him all the kingdoms of the world in the moment of time and all the glory of them. He said, all this has been delivered unto me. And I've heard people say, well, that was a lie. No, if it was a lie, it wouldn't be a temptation. Adam, through sin, had given the devil all the kingdoms of this world. That's why the Bible calls him the, the God of this world. That's going to change. Jesus has taken him over. Hallelujah. But at that point, you know, he said, you know, if you'll bow down and worship me, I'll give you all of these. You know what? Jesus said, it is written, you shall worship the Lord your God, only in him shall you serve. And I'm just adding this. Jesus didn't say this, but I'm just, I like to think Jesus might have thought this. And by the way, it's not going to be long time. I'm going to strip all this away from you anyway. And I'm going to do it as a man. Anointed of the Holy Ghost. Hallelujah. Are you with me now? I'm not doing it as God. Do you understand that God already had authority over the devil? That Jesus didn't come down here to fix things for God because the devil. A lot of people get that idea, you know. Amen. You know, Dr. Barclay was talking about this at SMTI uh, Thursday night. And, and I've, I've, I've thought about it before. You know, bless his heart. He's in heaven now, but great musician, great, great, great man of God. He's, he, he's done gone to heaven, but his name's Carmen. Remember Carmen? 
Remember that song, you know, hey, the devil and Jesus going at it, you know, and we don't know who's going to win. Oh, Carmen, come on, man. That's a good song. He's got a good lyric, but man, that's just not good doctrine. Now, not that Carmen's doctrine is bad. All right, I'm not, I'm not criticizing him. He had a good doctrine. He's a good man. He's a, good, he's a spiritual guy. But that particular song is like, no, I don't think so. The devil doesn't have a chance against Jesus. No. Jesus didn't come down here to get authority for God. He came to get it, get it for us. And he defeated the devil as an anointed man. Hallelujah. There's one, man, there's one mediator between God and men, the man, Christ Jesus. Are you saying he's not God? No, he's all God. He's all God. He's all man. He's so much God, if you weren't looking, you wouldn't know some man's side. There's some people, they just looked at the man, didn't notice the God side. But he's both. He's God and man. Hallelujah. Paul called it a mystery. Praise God. Amen. And so one of, his, one of the things that he used to sink the whole human race was doubt. It's his number one tactic. It got us into this mess, and I'm going to tell you, it'll keep you in a mess. Now go to Mark's Gospel, chapter 4. Go there. Mark, chapter 4. I'm just going to look at like four scriptures this morning, and then I'm going to... we got some things that we want to do. We want to bless the mothers with some things. And, of course, we'll take care of those that about half of them are here. And then we got some in working. We might, somebody needs to make sure the ones in the nursery and, and children's church get blessed too. We're giving it to all the ladies. Amen. They don't have to be a mother. Now, Mark chapter 4. Go there. Are you ready? Yes. Verse 14. The sower sows the word. What's the word? God's word. These are they by the wayside where... The word is sown, but when they have heard, Satan cometh immediately and taketh away the word that was sown in their hearts. Now, I've always said this now. If the devil comes immediately to get the word, he must be afraid of the word. Well, here's something that's really interesting, and you can check this out yourself. If you, all you got to do is have a strong concordance. One of the meanings of the word taketh away, and, and he taketh away the word. One of the meanings of that word, those, that word taketh away, it's, it's, it's one word translated into two in English. One of the meanings of that word is to make doubt. To make doubt. Now when you think about it, it just makes sense. If you didn't doubt the word, you wouldn't let go of the word. See, what you're doing is what you, what you believe, what you're doing, that's what you really believe. Yes. Amen? Amen. Yeah. You know, we, we may say we believe things and maybe we think we do, but what we really believe is what we're actually doing. Yeah. Amen? Yeah. You know, if you believe it, if you believe certain things, you'll do it. It's like Charles, there was a, there was a, a uh, he was an acrobat, a, a, tight, a tightrope walker. His name was Charles Blondine. And uh, he, he's already passed on, but we're talking about the early part of the, not this century, but the last century. And he was famous. You can check this guy out, uh, you know, uh, Wikipedia or something, Charles Blondine. He, he was famous for walking across Niagara Falls on a, on a, on a wire, a high wire. And so uh, he did it. And he actually, you know, one time he pushed a camp stove out in the middle of it, like on a wheel and cooked, cooked an egg out there. In the middle of it while he's doing it. And then you know, one time he, he pushed a wheelbarrow across. People were there and he pushed the wheelbarrow across. He got to the other side and uh, they are all clapping. Great, man. He said, how many believe I can push it back to the other side again? Everybody raised their hand. He said, who'll get in it? 
Everybody shut up. Because they, they, there was some doubt. See what I'm saying? If you really were convinced he'd get to the other side, you'd go for the ride. It'd be a great ride. I mean, think of the views. Nobody else had those views in their life but you and him. If you really believed it. Oh, man, really, man. I, I was watching back, I don't know, it was, it was about five or six years ago, this uh, Walendez. You know, his family was famous for high wire walking, you know, the whole family for years. His grandfather died in Central America walking a, a, tight, a wire across buildings because, you know, they wanted, the people there that were hosting the event wanted to stretch the wire. He didn't want them to. He wanted his family to do it. But he finally let them do it, and they didn't do it right, and he fell and killed himself at 74 years old. But I've seen, I've seen his Nick, Nick Melendez, that's his name. I've seen Nick do it more than once. I saw Nick one time, in, you know, on TV. <laughs> I saw Nick get out of, he, he was, I think it was in New York City. They had a high wire stretch across two uh, skyscrapers, and he climbs out of the window and gets on to walk across. And he's praying in tongues while he does it. I mean, he's a spiritual guy. It's good to know Jesus if you're going to do something like that. Yeah. <laughs> you know. But anyway, so, you know, he's just praying in the spirit, man. And he walks across this thing. But anyway, I'm watching him, and he's going to do the Grand Canyon. Anybody see that? It's about five or six years ago. Joe Osteen was there. Joe Osteen was going to pray over him before he walked out there. <laughs> the scripture comes to me, thou shalt not tempt the Lord thy God. But anyway, that's what he does for a living, you know. And they had a camera on him, a body camera, and they had it pointing down. Now, it's 1,500 feet to the bottom where he was, where he was walking over this gorgeous, 1,500 feet to the bottom of that gorge. And they have this wire stretched across. And he steps out there. Now, I'm on TV, you know. I mean, he's on TV, and I'm sitting in my Lazy Boy. He steps out there over that and that camera, and I mean, I went, oh. <laughs> I mean, I'm not closing my mind. closed my eyes, man. I'm like, this is nuts. But how you know, if those people with Charles Blondine had really believed it, really been convinced they would have gotten that wheelbarrow. I'm telling you, if I knew for certain that Pastor Jerry could push me across the Ohio River in a wheelbarrow, I'd go for the ride. Because if I knew for sure. <laughs> See, if you're, you, you, talk, you understand what I'm talking about, being convinced. Right. You know, it's kind of like this story I heard about these these farmers. They were out in this field praying for rain. And this guy's driving by and he sees them out there praying for rain. And so he stops and goes over there and says, hey, what are you guys doing? And one of the farmers speaks up, and says, we're praying for rain. He goes, nah. So another farmer, you know, second farmer, he speaks up, and says, oh, yeah, that's what we're doing. We're asking God. For it, for it to rain. He said, I don't think so. So third farmer, you know, he's kind of aggravated with the guy. He says, he says, well, I don't know what you think we're doing, buddy. He said, but it hadn't rained around here in a year, in case you haven't noticed, and the ground's all dried up, and we gather together to pray for rain. We, we believe that's the best way to get the job done. Guy said, well, that ain't how I'd do it. So that farmer said, well, just how would you do it? He said, well... I think if I was coming out here in this field and praying for rain, I would have brought my umbrella. Think about it. What's he saying? 
If you really believe it, you will act like it. Amen. See, I see a lot of times we don't realize that there's there's until we really inspect it that we're being led by doubt instead of by the word of God. Amen. Amen. That's the truth. Now, this verse right here, notice this, the word sown, the first thing the devil comes is he comes to take it away. And literally, the word take away means to make doubt. So he comes with doubt to make you doubt the word of God. And the Bible goes on to say in verse 16, and these are they likewise which are sown on stony ground, who when they've heard the word, immediately receive it with gladness. And afterwards, notice this, these, these are people that accepted the word. Afterwards, they, and they have no root in themselves, and so endure for a time. Afterwards, when affliction or persecution arises for the word's sake, immediately they are offended. Now, what had to happen here? Well, they started out good, but because of trouble, persecution, affliction, setbacks, they started to doubt. You wouldn't let go of the word if you didn't doubt it. Amen. So a lot of times we have to watch this, okay, because a lot of times people come up, when you come up for prayer, you know, you need to come with some expectation. Not just like, well, I'm going I'm to go up there because it's church. You have to think about it. And not only do you have to come up with expectation, but if you don't get an instant manifestation, you have to leave with expectation. You have to still continue believing. Brother Hagin used to say it like this. I love the way he said it. He said, keep the switch of faith turned on. Right? Now, I've experienced this personally in my own personal life where I was in a meeting one, 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 uh, one night with a friend of mine who was preaching, an evangelist friend. And I was sick. I mean, it was like the flu symptoms. And, you know, uh, and I'm at church. I'm sitting in the back. And I've got these symptoms on my body, you know. And so he, he starts ministering to people and giving an altar call for healing. And so people are going up. And I went up there, and I, he prayed for me. And honestly, when he got done praying, I felt 0% better, 0%. I went, I went up there not feeling good. I went back to my seat not feeling good. But I said to myself, I said, I said you know, the Bible says lay hands on the sick and they'll recover. Yeah. You know what the Word says? So as far as I'm concerned, I have recovered. I'm recovering. I said, I'm recovering. It says they shall. It doesn't say they'll immediately recover, but it says they shall recover. I said, I shall recover. God is my witness. We probably not, you know, that was the end of the service. Of course, he was praying for people. He let the service out. Phyllis and I were driving wherever we were going, probably home, whatever. I don't remember. But we had not got very far from that church. I think her and I were together. We had not gotten very far from that church, maybe a few miles, and I was totally healed. Every symptom was gone. I learned a lesson. Keep the switch of faith turned on. Just because I didn't notice anything immediately, that doesn't mean God's not working and not moving. It's kind of like, you know, like you, you wouldn't do that with a doctor. If the doctor said, hey, take three of these a day till you're well, you took a couple of them, said, I didn't do anything. No, you keep taking them, right? Amen. Why are you taking the medicine? To get well, right? Why do you why do you why'd you come up for prayer? Well, see, there you, you didn't even know why you came up. Then why'd you come up? Because <laughs> that's about the truth. Sometimes I don't know, you know. 
I just saw people gathering. I thought maybe somebody's giving something away. <laughs> I mean, you, know, you should come up with some expectation. See, right? I mean, what would you do if the doctor gave you a prescription? You look at a prescription, take three of these a day until it kills you. What would you do with that prescription? You'd throw as far as you could, right? But when God says, take, you know, have, you know, call for the elders of the church, let them anoint you with oil and pray over you in, in, in the name of the Lord and the prayer of faith will save the sick. How many you know sometimes we just don't do it? Right. I've told you this story many times, but it's really a good story. That it, it, a, a minister, pastor, that used to come preach for us at, at the Revival Center, uh, he would come. He was a Baptist brother, got filled with the Holy Spirit, became Baptocostal. And, uh, you know, his church, they became a spirit-filled church and all. And so he, was, he just... He's preaching and he talked about a guy in his church. He said, this guy in my church, he, uh, he, he got sick one morning, woke up sick. You know, sometimes that happens, you know, and he woke up sick. And so he told his wife, he said, call the office and call work, that is, and tell him I'm not coming in. He said, as his wife was going to call work, he said he thought about it. That's not what the Bible says to do. I'm not saying it's wrong to do that. But I'm saying that's not how the Bible says get healed. That's how you miss work. I mean, missing work's not bad, <laughs> but that's how you miss work. He, he, and he thought about it. The Bible says, call the elders of the church. Now, that's not the only way to get healed. You don't necessarily have to do it that way, but that's an avail that, that is an available method God's made available, right? Several ways God's made available for us to get healed. That's one of the ways. So his wife picked up the phone, was getting ready to dial the, uh, off, or his work, and he said, he said, wait a minute, honey. He said, wait a minute. He said, don't do that. He said, call the church office and see if there's anybody there that could pray for me. And he told his pastor, he said, while my wife was dialing the church, I got healed. Now, his pastor would preach, and he actually had a message called Dial for Healing. Just obey the Bible, right? Amen. So when you come up for prayer, come up with some expectation. Because, you know, sometimes God will give me like words of knowledge about people that need to be healed, but that's not a guarantee you're going to receive it. That's just God saying, I want to bless you this morning. It's our faith, mutual faith, mine. I need to have faith, but you need to have faith also. And also, if you don't see any results right away, you need to continue on in faith. Amen. Now, let's close out Hebrews. Did you get something today? Hebrews chapter 11, let's go there. Just talking about the doubts are and how the devil, that's, that's one of his number one things to do is to sow doubt in your life because it separates you from God. It was his original tactic. It sunk the whole human race. It got us in this whole mess to begin with when the devil got even to doubt. <clears throat> now we find here in Hebrews 11, Verse 6, the Bible says, but without faith, it's impossible to please him, that being God. Please, it's impossible to please God. For he that comes to God must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. See, one of the reasons Satan wants you to doubt because he doesn't want you pleasing God. Now, I've thought about this over the years because you, you'll meet people sometimes say, prove to me that there's a God. I've heard people say this, well, science and the Bible, they just don't agree. 
Well, let me just say this to you. If you're going to have a relationship with God, there's some things that you have to, you have to know. Number one, if you want a relationship with God, let me just say this before I forget this. Any t true science and the Bible agree totally. But not all science is true science. And just because the world says this is true, we found this rock, it's 75 billion years old, you can take it with a grain of salt. Now, some things are true, some things aren't. But true science agrees with the Bible. Anytime science doesn't agree with the Bible, guess who's wrong? Science. Listen, here's what you need to know. Number one, if you're going to have a relationship with God and, 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 and His blessing in your life, number one, you must believe that He is. You must believe that He exists. Now, the town that I grew up in, mother still lives there, and Susie, uh, the town that I grew up in years ago had what was called the, the American Atheist Museum. The American Atheist Museum. And it was said to be the largest atheist museum in America. I thought they probably got three. This is the largest, but there's probably only three. And so one day, one night, uh, before I was saved, three, me and two of my friends, we went in there. We went in there. And the, the guy showed us around, and, you know, he had different things in there. He had the atheist Bible. You open up, it was totally blank. There wasn't anything in it. Uh, wow. What a thing to base your life on. A blank page. And so he shows us, you know, he's got how man evolved and all. He shows us all that. We... We spent some time with the guy, played ping pong with him. He's a fantastic ping pong player, smoked all, all three of us. Um, <laughs> but he got serious. And he said, do you want to know why I'm an atheist? He said, I'm going to tell you why I'm an atheist. He said, I was in World War II, and I was on a ship. I guess he was a sailor. He said, our ship was sunk. And he said, I floated around on a raft out in the ocean. And I, I salute him for his service to our country. Don't misunderstand me. We totally disagree about God, but thank you for your service. But he said, I floated around on a raft for two weeks out in the ocean by myself. I'm not sure if this is right, but I think he might have been the only one that survived. And he said, while I was out there floating, he said, I asked God to appear to me. And he never showed up. He said, there's no God. Well, I think if you just look around this ocean you're floating in, the creatures in it that want to eat you, the sky, this earth. The Bible says in the book of Romans, they testify there's a God. That this just didn't get here. That somebody planned this. And honestly... If you have any intelligence about you at all, and I had this much intelligence before I was ever saved, you know there's no way this just happened. Amen. So the guy's out there floating on an ocean that God made. But did you know what? God will never prove himself to you like that. He said, if you want a relationship with me, you first must believe I am. You're not going to get off first base if you don't choose to believe God is. Hallelujah. And that He exists. So, number one, you have to believe God exists. Amen. 
Now, I hope this guy got saved before he died. He's, he's already passed on. I don't know. But I know at the time, he didn't, he didn't believe there was any God. But God's not obligated to prove himself to any man. He's already proved himself by creation. Hallelujah. Just the fact you're breathing his air. Amen. Number two, you have to believe that the Bible is his infallible word. What does that mean? That is absolutely trustworthy. That's what infallible means. Absolutely trustworthy. See, if you don't believe the Bible, now there are, there are people that call themselves Christians that believe the Bible contains God's word. Really, there's theologians, professors that believe the Bible contains God's word. No, the Bible is God's word to mankind. If you don't believe that, if you don't have that settled in your heart, that it's infallible, it's totally trustworthy, you can't have a relationship with God. Because what are you going to, how are you going to determine which is true and which isn't? That's why I say, I, you know, I do a teaching on, on, on things about different things, the Bible and science and things like that. I've done it for years, but I've done it before. And the thing of, I come back to this, the first thing that I base all my belief on is what does the Bible say about it? Right? If science doesn't line up with the Bible, the Bible's right. I should get a better amen than that. I, I don't know. The Bible's right. Amen. Number three, we'll close right here. You must believe that He will reward you if you diligently seek Him. In other words, if you just, it, I, I don't care who you are, I don't care where you're at on this planet, if you will believe that God exists, if you will believe the Bible is His infallible Word, if you believe He'll reward you if you seek Him, you're going to have a relationship with Him. He is going to reveal Himself to you. Right? If you come to Him, now listen, if you come to Him and say, prove to me you're real, you're not getting off first base. Because the first thing you have to do is believe that He's real. But if you'll do that, you'll believe His book's infallible. And you believe that He'll reward you, I guarantee you, He will prove Himself to you. I've had infallible proofs that God is real. Amen. But those proofs came after I chose to believe, not before. Amen. Doubt. Everybody say doubt. Doubt is the devil's number one tactic to rob you of God's best for your life. God has good things for you, but it takes your faith. And you say, Amen. Amen. I've had people that over the years have faith doesn't have anything to do with it. It's, it's just all God's sovereign, sovereign, sovereign will that, you know, whatever happens in your life, that's, that's just the will of God. However long you live, that's, that's up to God. Will you live to be 30 or 40 or 50 or 100? That's all up to God. Did you know the Bible tells us something totally different than that? Did you know the Bible in Proverbs in several places says this will lengthen your days? Well, if you can lengthen your days, then it's not set in stone. Right? The Bible talks about if you follow wisdom, it'll give you length of days. Not everybody that dies died because it was the will of God. Some died because it was their time to go. But many, many, many don't. Because they don't believe this word. Believe in this word will lengthen your days. Did you get anything this morning? Yeah. Let's pray. Father, we thank you today. Praise God.
we may be here today and there's people all on the other side of the planet today, but wherever we're at, when we're gathered together in your name and we're truly here in your name, the Bible says Jesus is there among us. He's there with us, praise God. He's there to, the Bible says, that if any two agree, he's there to carry out the agreement. Well, Father, we put our faith right now that any person that sees this video, or watches this online, or every person that hears this, or every person here, they will make Jesus Christ the Lord of their life, and they will make heaven. And we put our agreement on this. This is what we agree on, that your spirit will talk to them. Your spirit will deal with them. Your spirit will work with them and bring them to a point of decision. Hallelujah. In Jesus' name, can you say amen? That concludes today's message. For more information about Oasis Church, please visit MyOasisChurch.com. Thanks for listening.